0: All hail King Jesus. We have gathered today to celebrate our risen Savior, and I am so glad that you have joined us online or by phone on this blessed Easter morning. He is our hope. He is our joy. Indeed, Jesus is our life. Will you join me in prayer? God, you are our refuge and strength. You are our sanctuary and our hope. As we celebrate and worship your Son, our Savior, Jesus, this morning, we ask above all things that you would be honored, that Jesus would be lifted high, and that we might receive strength in the light of your mercy and love. In the name
1: of Jesus, we celebrate and we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18 invite you to join me now in the text. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him that he had said these things to her. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word this morning.
0: Well, again, I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us on this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday morning for this celebration. And yes, it's an Easter like no other, but I am so confident that God is going to be honored, that Jesus is going to be lifted up, and that Jesus is going to be celebrated and exalted all over the world. Oh, sure, the celebrations may be different, but nothing can stop God's people from celebrating and enjoying and just reveling, if you will, in the hope of the resurrection. But I think it is important to acknowledge it is a different time. I was thinking this past week of how certain phrases or words have taken on a new meaning or a new relevance for us uh, during this time. They will ever for market, for example, social distancing or Widespread testing, which we need before things can ever get back uh, to normal. PPE, or personal protective equipment. We need to be praying that there can be enough of these for healthcare workers and uh, for others on the front lines during this time. Self-isolation, or who would have ever thought the phrase hand-washing would turn from something your mom hounded you to do when you are growing up to something that now is a life-saving technique. These words are forever linked to this season in a new way for many of us because they carry not just technical definitions, but they also carry a sense of emotional weight, sort of like uh, Ground Zero uh, refers to and reminds us of that day on 9-11. I believe social distancing will do the same for COVID-19. As we consider the reality of Easter We also find words and phrases that are power-packed and just loaded with meaning. For example, Luke's gospel gives us that great soul-searching question posed to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? Or Matthew's gospel gives us that first proclamation of the resurrection again to the women who went to the tomb When he said, I know you're looking for Jesus, the angel said, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Or Mark tells us when women heard the news of the resurrection from the angel, that trembling and bewildered, they went out and fled from the tomb. Powerful images and powerful phrases that just reach up and grab us without being very subtle. And then there's the text that Brian read this morning. John gives us a very eloquent account of the resurrection. He gives a strong argument with details unlike any other gospel. And yet John is also quite subtle in his writing. And he provides a few images that when we take a look at them, they just explode with the hope and the beauty and the power of the resurrection. For example, we have the word right at the beginning, we have the word dark. Mary Magdalene, a disciple of Jesus, went to the tomb early in the morning to anoint the body of Jesus, and it was dark. It was that incredible dark that precedes the sunrise in the morning. Darkness has a way of slowing us down. Life feels precarious, unsure, in the dark. We often use the phrase stumbling around in the dark or being left in the dark. Mary Magdalene knew her own kind of darkness. Jesus had expelled numerous demons for her from her. We're not sure exactly what that meant in the day of Jesus, but we do know it gave her a depth of love for him that was unmatched by any of the other disciples. She went with him all the way to the cross when darkness, there's that word again, when darkness fell over the earth from noon to 3 as he hung on the cross. And now here, she's making a pilgrimage of love and dedication, going to the tomb, going to Jesus in the dark. A global pandemic can feel like a season of incredible darkness, can it not? Families are grieving loved ones taken too soon. All of a sudden, the neighbor you've waved at and chatted up for years on the morning walk, now you do gymnastics just to stay six feet away which is in some way a relational darkness. When you hear a sneeze in the grocery store you think it could be life threatening like someone just threw a grenade. When the national economy grinds to a halt it feels dark. When lights are turned off in businesses it feels dark. When a play ends its run in Broadway the phrase is they call it going dark. And then there's just the flat-out fear We've all had our moments when I think about possibly going to the hospital alone or one of my family members going alone and not being able to be there. I've just got to be honest. It rises up in me and grabs me by the throat. I want to be like Mary Magdalene and go to Jesus from the cross to the tomb, even in darkness. Why? Because he is the only one that can flip the switch and turn the lights on. He's the only one that can make the sun rise. He's the only one that can bring morning and light into this darkness. And get this, please get this, God does some of God's best work in the dark. In the creation account, we are told that before God created, we're told that the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, you can finish it. Let there be light. When Pharaoh had so oppressed God's people, the final plague that liberated God's people came in the middle of the night, and God's people were set free in the darkness. God broke through and announced the birth of Jesus when? To shepherds tending their flocks when? By night in the middle of the darkness. Now here. Here in a cold, dark tomb, God's Spirit once again was hovering over and in the darkness, and he called forth the one who said, I am the light of the world. God breathed new life into Jesus. God works through the darkness to bring light and to bring life. Please know whatever your struggle may be at this time. Please know whatever fears may rise up in you. Please stay close to Jesus and trust he will bring light and he will bring hope. It is simply one of the plays in his playbook, and he runs it really well. There's another word or concept here, and that is clothes, as in empty grave clothes. John gives us so much detail. He's really being careful to prepare for people an eyewitness account. Peter and John go to the tomb, and they find Jesus' grave clothes laid out. Now, if someone had taken the body of Jesus, as some have claimed, why in the world would they have unwrapped his body? I mean, wouldn't it have been so much easier to carry all wrapped up? Well, anyway, the the linen strips that wrapped the body were laid out where his body was. And the smaller cloth that wrapped his head was where his head was supposed to be. Now, I want you to grab this powerful image. The grave clothes were meant to hold the body in place as matters took their course, as the body decomposed. Now, these grave clothes couldn't hold what they were supposed to hold. They were powerless. Powerless. They were limp. There was nothing to hold. One writer suggested the grave clothes had the appearance of a balloon after it had been deflated. The fact that his body was not there and that God raised him from the dead matters a great deal. You see, some say that Easter is just a metaphor for new beginnings or the the, uh, tulips uh, coming up out of the ground, and it just really doesn't matter if Jesus's body was raised. It's just the spirit that counts. But in classic Christian theology, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is crucial. Why? Because matter matters. The physical world matters to God. After all, God made it in the first place. The Bible teaches us that God created this incredible, beautiful world in which we live. And that includes nature and animals and humans. And God created all of creation and declared it is good. You see, Greco-Roman dualism said that only the spirit is good and matter was inherently evil. But Jesus comes along and Jesus is literally God in matter. God in the flesh, not God as some spiritual ghost or avatar. God raising Jesus, not just in spirit but in body, thus deflating the grave clothes, reminds us, no that's too tepid the word reminds, shouts to us that death is not final. The resurrection spells the end of the power of death. Now this comes to us in two phases. Jesus was resurrected once for all, establishing him as the Lord of life. He reigns at the right hand of God until that day in the fullness of God's time, he returns, and there's a final resurrection. And until that day, yes, death and dark forces are at work in this world, but the end of the story is really clear according to the Bible. Death, once and for all, will be destroyed. This is the heart of the gospel. Death could not hold him down. Jesus was the death of death. And I just have to get this question out there, or this wondering out there for a moment. Don't judge me. I've been on lockdown just like everyone else. But this past week, as I was just pondering and meditating upon this passage, I tried to imagine the play-by-play of Jesus, of God raising Jesus from the dead. Maybe it's because there are no sports on, and and I just had to think in play-by-play terms. But so Jesus is raised from the dead, He gets up, and he leaves the tomb, and get this, in a fairly neat condition. Grave clothes just as they were. Now, what was actually going on? If it had been me, I would have left my clothes on the floor like I almost always do. Did Jesus mess them up as he got up and then put them back in place? I mean, did Mary teach him to make his bed before he left the house in the morning? Or again, this is not going to make any scholarly journals. Maybe it was a little bit of swagger in the face of death. Maybe he was taunting his ultimate opponent and leaving death at the dead end of the tomb like a touchdown dance or a bat flip. I don't know. Maybe I've been in lockdown too long. We'll just call it Phil's shutdown musings. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus what happened and how the grave clothes end up like they were. There's another word here as we rummage through this text, and it's often overlooked, and it's the word gardener. Mary encounters Jesus at first, and she thinks he is the gardener. One writer wrote, on one hand, she could not have been more wrong, and yet on the other, she could not have been more deeply right. Our first parents in the beginning were charged with tending God's garden in Eden, Now Jesus, the same Jesus that God breathed new life into, has not come back to this life from the dead. That is a bit off, just a bit. You see, his friend Lazarus was once raised from the dead, back to the life he once had, and eventually he died again. But Jesus, get this now, this is really important, Jesus has been raised forward to new life, to new hope. The new creation that God is working out even today, Jesus has been raised forward into this new reality. In the letter to the Corinthians, Paul refers to Jesus as the second or the last Adam. N.T. Wright wrote, The new Adam, the gardener, charged with bringing the chaos of God's creation into new order, into flower, into fruitfulness. He has come to uproot the thorns and thistles and replace them with blossoms and harvest." The, resurrection, the resurrected Jesus is bringing us forward into new life, into new hope. And once you encounter him, once you take Jesus into the very center of your being, and once you orient your life and your worldview around him in trusting faith, my friends, you can't go back. You are raised forward into this new life. The old chains of hopelessness, of sin, of guilt, of death, and disease are broken. And you are set free. Jesus, the gardener, is growing right now in the hearts of his people. He is growing the fruit of hope. We can see this all around us during this time. He's growing the fruit of love, of joy, of peace, and kindness. Right now in God's people, right now in the midst of a global pandemic, God is unleashing new life and new freedom and new hope through his people. Please know today that Easter doesn't just mean death and disease are once and for all defeated. Yes, this is part of the reality, but it also means a new hope and a new life, a new way of living has sprung forth into a glorious new day. If you've known me for a minute, you know that it doesn't take long for a conversation with me to turn to a couple of subjects. Of course, my family and the gnats, and uh, Jesus, and my work, and dogs. Now, our friends Ron and Carrie Hayner from Old Town Community Church here, in the midst of all that is going on, got a new puppy. They'd been planning to get this puppy for a long time. They got a new puppy, and here's her pick. Now, can you see that? Now, everybody just, just join with me and say, ah, isn't she so cute? Now, by the way, she's probably going to eat those slippers up on that chair soon, so they need to be careful. But here's something that is a bit odd during this time, and it's given me quite a bit of comfort. When I look at my dog or Sophie or, for that matter, pictures of little babies like Brian and Sarah's twins and some of the pictures you have sent me of your kids, I've had the most peaceful and blissful thought, and that is the, these pictures, these, these babies and these dogs— And they know nothing about this awful, stupid virus, COVID-19. They know nothing. The cats know nothing. Well, maybe the cats want people to go back to work. But anyway, the dogs and babies, they don't know nothing. To them, it's life as usual. Play a little, sleep a little, eat a little, hang out with the humans, do it all over again. In the case of the babies, hang out with the big humans. They know nothing of disease and death. That is all around us. Now again, maybe you're thinking, I've been in lockdown too long. But you know, one day, one day, in the fullness of God's time, when God completely restores and redeems his creation, there will not be one hint, not one hint of disease and death. And quite frankly, I don't even think the idea of disease and death will cross our minds on the other side of eternity. New life, endless life, will be so full, so consuming, that there will be no tears, no sorrow, no disease, no death. My friends, that is what the gardener is growing right now in the new garden, right now in the heart, hearts of his people, one heart at a time. This promise And this hope can be yours this Easter if you turn to Jesus. One last quick word. It's quick because it's running. There's so much movement in this text. Mary Magdalene encounters the empty tomb and then goes running to tell the disciples. Peter and John go running to the tomb to see. Mary Magdalene then goes back to the tomb and encounters the risen Jesus, and then goes back to the disciples and tells them she was the first apostle to the apostles, I guess. John paints a picture here of full-scale, fast-paced investigation of the empty tomb and the risen Jesus. Let that be us this morning. If you're joining us and you've never considered the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, will you commit to urgently running to explore what it means to have faith in him? If you'd like to set up a time to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, please, please email seeking at oldtown.cc and we'll connect with you and schedule a time to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're ready to place your faith in Jesus right now. Mary Magdalene finally recognized Jesus when he called her by name. Maybe this morning you sense Jesus calling you to faith. Tell him that you want to be one of his followers today and that you trust him to lead you and to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time. Still, I encourage you to run to the risen Jesus. Reaffirm your faith and your commitment to living your life in the center of his love and his hope. And his joy. I want to close by reading a, a letter that uh, one of our members here, actually one of our, our longest term members, Molly Wood, uh, wrote to her Open Table Sunday School class. Molly has been teaching here for decades. She's been at the church since 1955 or 1956. And I just want to uh, read uh, this letter for you. It reads this. She wrote it just this past Monday Dear Open Door class members, I miss meeting together so much. But now is the time to develop patience and endurance. Read Romans 5, 3 through 5, just like a a good teacher. I hope that yesterday, Palm Sunday, you were able to have a mental picture of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, knowing full well that what lay ahead of him. He made the ultimate sacrifice so that one day we'll stand totally blameless before God. How are you doing on your stay-at-home projects? I've cleaned out my freezer and working on my pantry. Two closets are neater and my bookcases have been organized. I've caught up with letter writing and am now working on phone calls to family and out-of-town friends. Send a note to Pastor Phil and, and to let him know how much you appreciate his messages or, uh, or on live or by Zoom. Thank you, Molly. And thank Brian for his Bible lessons on Zoom. On Sunday, he'll be teaching from Romans 5. Don't forget OTCC. The church still needs your offerings to pay bills and to meet commitments. Remember me telling you how hymns would pop to my mind while preparing the Sunday school lesson? I've enclosed one I think is appropriate for our time. If you can't sing, hum it or just read it. Stay well, stay calm, and stay at home for now. Pray for our church, each other, and certainly for our very sick world. Much love, Molly. And then the hymn she sent. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God, he provides for his own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules, he reigns upon his throne. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches over his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. People of God, Christ the Lord is risen today. Have faith in God. He brings light in the darkness. Have faith in God. He throws off the grave clothes and the bonds of death. Have faith in God. He is tending a new garden of new hope and new life for each one of us. Have faith in God. Run to him. Believe in him. Worship him. Christ the Lord is risen today. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for the new hope and the new power and the new life of the resurrection. We thank you, O God, that once and for all you have defeated the power of sin and death and disease. And Lord, we know that in this world and in this time we may have momentary troubles, we may have sufferings, and we may have challenges and difficulties. But, O God, we know, we know that you reign completely and fully. And we know that we can place our hope and trust in you. And we know that in you we find the ultimate hope and the ultimate victory. Thank you, God, for the life we have in Jesus. May we all turn to him in a new and life-giving way this Easter. In Jesus' name, our risen Savior, we pray. Amen.